that started a series a few weeks ago on Easter about doors, right? And uh, how many have been kind of mindful of some of the doors that you go through? Literally, there are doors everywhere. To get in church this morning, there were doors. To get out of your house, there were doors. There were doors everywhere you go. Hopefully you went through the door to your bathroom to freshen up a little bit this morning. There are doors literally everywhere. But figuratively, there are doors as well that relate to every area of our lives. Doors related to relationships, right? And attitudes. Pastor Pete did a great job talking about being positive last week. There are doors related to our finances and even to salvation. I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 3.20. We'll start there. This whole series is all about opening and closing all the right doors. In Revelation chapter 3, it, uh, this is uh, Jesus talking to the church at Laodicea. And he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, is at the door of your heart. And he's wanting to come in. And this morning, if you don't know Jesus, at the end of the service, we're going to give you an opportunity to surrender your heart to him. In John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, I love what it says. It says, it, uh, it says this. It says, I am the door. The door. Everyone say, the door. It's, he's not a door. He's not a possibility. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. Salvation comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. And not only will you be saved, you will go in and out and find pasture, which we'll talk about that. Then it says, but the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Who's the thief? Satan, right? And Satan is wanting to destroy our lives. That's his role. That's what he's um, meant to do. But then Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. When I look at that verse, I, we see, it. Uh, and today we're going to talk about money. And we're going to look at our money and talk about uh, godly stewardship of that. We see Satan's role in this verse is to steal, to kill, and destroy. We understand that. But God's role is to bring life into the fullest. And I believe that life includes financial freedom. And to the fullest means, I, I love the verse in 2 Corinthians that says that we are to be rich, to become rich, so that on every occasion we can be generous. When you can give on every occasion, you're rich. That's life to the full, in my opinion. So today we're going to talk about closing the door on debt. But our focus is going to be on an abundant life, a more abundant life. So let's talk about the enemy for a second. It says in that verse there, he comes to kill, to steal, to destroy we often think of Satan's role in, in regards to lust in a man or a woman's life. Or we think of anger or maybe slothfulness or the, how the enemy is out to destroy our young people. 
we look across the globe and we look at the injustice and we see different things. Uh, one that's been uh, brought to my attention recently, again, is sex trafficking. And, and not only is it overseas, but it's right here in our own backyards. And you say, okay, that's definitely the hand of Satan. Satan, uh, he attacks our emotions. He attacks us physically. But you know what? He definitely attacks our finances as well. The enemy is stealing our joy, killing our relationships, and especially as it relates to our money. You say, well, why would Satan be after our money? Because money is important. Money is not just money. It's more important than that. Money can affect us spiritually. It can affect us emotionally. I believe money can even affect us physically. Jessica, you remember Steve from uh, Dayton, Ohio? Uh, worked with Pastor Brown and some different things. He was a businessman in the church, and uh, uh, probably in his late 40s or early 50s maybe. And he was, uh, uh, I knew him for a couple years, and uh, we got to know him a little bit. And he started to get involved in some risky uh, financial endeavors. And, uh, and it got in over his head, and he was, he was hurting for certain, like uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, and it, things were going badly. And uh, what's interesting is he got diagnosed with cancer, a treatable cancer that, uh, that would have been treatable. And, uh, but what's interesting is because of the financial pressure in his life, it destroyed him, literally where he most likely would have been able to treat the cancer, he gave up, and it was a few weeks. I remember bringing him forward, and we prayed for him, just believing, but he had lost hope. He was like numb. And within a couple weeks, the Lord took him. I believe finances can affect us even physically. Say, whoa, this is what I also believe. I believe that money matters to God. Scripture says a lot about managing money. More than just at tax season. By the way, tomorrow, make sure you've paid your taxes. We've got two checks to write tomorrow. Make sure those go in the, in the, uh, <laughs> in the mail. Yes. <laughs> Help me remember, okay? But you know what? God knows how we steward His money. Everything's God's. We believe that. There's no secrets with God. We're talking about doors. You can't close the door and say, I'm going to hide this from God. No. Money matters to God. You can't hide behind a door. And what's interesting is John 10, 9 says, if we choose Christ, we will have safety and we will be satisfied. And that includes financially. Amen? But many of us go our own way into a deep sea of debt. And I believe debt is wreaking havoc totally over many areas of our lives. It's kind of the American way. You know, you start thinking about it, you start looking around our culture that we live in today, West Michigan. It's normal to have debt. Do you agree with me? It's almost like we're entitled to have certain things, and even if we can't pay for them. Home mortgages, we don't ask, okay, what is our needs for our family? What size house? We say, how much can we borrow, right? That's a lie from the pit of hell. 
with car loans. We say, well, I, I got to have a reliable car to get to, to work and back. And so we go out and borrow money. We say, well, we deserve it. Or with student loans, and I know I'll step on some toes here, but you say, well, I have to have the education, I, so I've got to pay for it. I got to get a loan. That is a lie from the pit of hell. The American way is to live off credit cards, to take vacations or to buy furniture on time, pay for it later. Payday loan places are thriving and really are popping up all over the lakeshore. Boats, dirt bikes, etc. And it seems like everyone is in debt. That it's normal. I was thinking about it. How many people do I know that are completely debt-free? House paid off, business paid off, everything paid off completely. And to, for me, it's a small handful of people that I know personally. It's very rare for that to be a reality. In fact, a statistics, it's a couple years old, said 84% of couples are under severe financial pressure. And I don't know if that relates to you. The average at that time, two years ago, credit card debt per family was $7,000. If you just paid the minimum payments in that same article, you went out and bought a $7,000 TV, let's say, and you paid the minimum payments, how long do you think that would take you to pay it off? What do you think? 35 years? 32? 42? 20? This article said it would take 46 years to pay the minimum payments, to pay off seven grand. That is crazy. Our way, human way, causes us to drown in a sea of debt. You say, how do you know this? Because we take prayer requests from you guys, from the church body. I believe that this is not only uh, in our culture, but it's within the church. We take those prayer requests, and as we look over those, and we pray over those as a staff, over and 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 over, it, there are financial-related prayer requests. People need help. People in a desperate situation, people out of a job, people with that, things that are related with money. And I believe the enemy has a hold on many of us, and it's called debt. But God's way is different. It opens the door to financial freedom. I love what it says there in John ch chapter 10, that we will be safe and we will find pasture. What that means, remember a couple weeks ago on Easter, we talked about it. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I lay my life down for the sheep. He's talking about, he says, I am the door or I'm the gate, right? That means he literally would lay down the imagery and uh, he would protect the sheep from coming in and going out, right? We talked about this on Easter. And think about it. The sheep that has a good shepherd is protected. They're safe but they'll have pasture. They're let out, and they'll have all that they need and desire. That's what God provides, safety to find pasture. So let's talk about this for a minute. How do we get into debt? I love 
The Good News Translation, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. Listen to what it says. It says, wise people live in wealth and luxury. Who wants to be wise this morning? Seriously, who wants to be wise? The wise people will live in wealth and in luxury, but stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. Stupid spending will lead to stupid debt. In Dave Ramsey's material, I listen to him on the radio all the time, he calls it stupid tax. And I've paid my fair share. And I trust that I will pay very little stupid tax as I move forward with my life. But how does it happen? How do we get into debt? Well, there's four ways I want to identify this morning quickly. The first one is impulse spending. Impulse spending. Now, how many, you got to be honest with me, how many of you here have an eBay account? All right, just raise your hand. All right, there's lots of you. Okay, all right. What happens on eBay? You see something, it's fast, it's painless, and I can, if I'm honest, when I'm on eBay too much, Jessica's not very happy. <laughs> is that the right? That's the truth. And it's what it is. You buy something that you may not even want, something that you don't necessarily need, but it's a good deal, and then you have to have it, right? eBay auction. It's that buy now, right now. What aids to that type of impulse buying is credit cards, right? Credit cards, they come in an array of colors. Gold level, platinum level. You're part of the club, right? Well, I have a word for you this morning. Either you need to cut them up or pay them off every single month. Dave Ramsey says you'll pay or you'll spend more if you pay with credit card than if you do with real cash. Now, some of you are saying, man, that pastor, he must have a problem. Well, I probably do. <laughs> That's the truth. But I was, I was thinking about it. You know, eBay is kind of a modern thing. And there's a few of you that didn't have an eBay account. And uh, you, I could show you how to set one up or how to buy and sell if you wanted. <laughs> but I was thinking about it. This is not something new. How many have ever heard of the blue light special, right? You're doing your business at Kmart. You're just going around getting toilet paper that you need or getting something that you need. And all of a sudden, a new pot or a new pan or something, blue light special on aisle six. And all of a sudden, it's like all these people, they weren't there to buy the pot, but now they all got a pot in their hand. Do you know what I'm saying? Have you been there before? I know we have. You buy something you don't even need or don't even want, and that's called impulse spending. Someone came up to me after service oh, and said, uh, said, hey, another thing on, on impulse spending is that shopping uh, channel on TV. <laughs> uh, uh, QVC, they said. I said, you're exactly right. You're sitting there. You don't even want that dehumidifier or that uh that ugly watch or what <laughs> that set of knives you don't need a set of knives and you're sitting there and you're like oh wow that really puts a lot of moisture into the air i could cut up those 
those tomatoes just like that professional or whatever. And all of a sudden, you with impulse spending. Okay, I got to move on here. All right, the next one is void spending. And this is a little more serious, maybe. Spending to fill a void in your life. You're depressed, maybe. You're lonely, feeling empty inside. And all of a sudden, you're saying, hmm, I want to buy something to fill a void. Brings temporary relief, right? Kind of numbs the pain. But I've been there. I've done this. I, I'm, a, I'm a victim. But uh, the shiny wears off, doesn't it? Within short amount of time, it leaves us worse than where we were before. Void spending. The third one is recreational spending. And I understand this one too. I'm, uh, I'm bored. There's nothing else to do. Hmm, let's go shopping, right? Right? Let's go to the mall. Let's go to Target or Wally World or, or uh, Meyer. And we often think about it. We're like, oh, that's a woman's problem, right? And I know there's some women. If I was, if I, I'm not going to ask for any hands. But that can be a, a thing. You say, hey, I love to shop. I love to go. And I'm just going to go and look, right? But then that turtleneck <laughs> is on sale because it's been there for 10 years. <laughs> Or something catches your eye, and all of a sudden, you're, you're spending recreationally. And you know what's crazy? We kind of say, oh, the women, that's their problem. But guys, we have the same problem. And the issue is, I was telling them first service, Reagan was here. I said, Reagan, is this not true that with, with mom, she can buy 10 to 15, maybe 20 pairs of shoes for the one pair of shoes that I'll buy. So when I impulse buy, or when I do that kind of recreational spending, uh, when it's related to my hobbies or shopping, it can become dangerous and dangerous quick. And for me, in our house, I end up spending more money, don't I? Way more. And she's saying, oh, yeah, yeah, let's move on. Okay. All right, image spending. (laughs) Image spending has to do with self-esteem, peer pressure, keeping up with the Joneses. I read this this week. I thought it was cute. It says, once you catch up with the Joneses, you think you're all there? They refinance and you're in trouble all over again, right? But you talk about where you live or what you drive or the toys that you have or what you're wearing, the clothes, the shoes, the accessories, right? I like nice things, right? I mean, you guys have told me, you guys know that if you've been around any long time. I like nice things. And it was interesting this week. You know, how many have ever been, you know, flipping through a magazine and they've got one of those things, fill out this card and we'll send you our, our uh, brochure or their, uh, their magazine with their catalog. Ha- anyone done that before? All right, I've done that. And, and uh, this particular company caught my attention a while back. It's called The Field. Anyone heard of The Field? You know, I like nice things. We were talking about nice things a couple weeks ago. Remember that? That was, that was kind of fun. But it's the Dutchess country, New York, all right? So I, I get this in the mail. This week, I've been preparing on Monday. Monday, I get home, and here is the field. And I, I'm looking in. I open it up, and, I, I, and it, I'll just give you a quick look. It says here. Can you see it all? It says, crafted to explore the world. It's describing me. That's what I want to do. I love it. I love the world. And then it says, a saddle leather 24-hour bag. I'd never heard of a 24-hour bag. But all of a sudden, I'm saying to myself, I want a 24-hour saddle bag. Listen to what it says. It says, a briefcase that will take you anywhere for 24 hours. 
even survival camping next week. I think there's some of you that still need to join me next week because survival camp. It's going to be fun. And I, I read it on. I'm reading on. All right. Okay. I mean, beautiful bag. Beautiful bag. Anybody want to take a guess? How much? If you're here for service, don't say. Uh, how much? What do you think? 300 bucks. Oh, man. 300. I wish. How much? 425. Oh, good guess. Good guess. 1200. Okay, I'll just, I'll just end your misery. You're all low. 1,295 American dollars. I'm going to get two of them. One for me, one for you, baby. <laughs> I love it. And so I'm like, you know what? I, I, I couldn't do this for a service, but I'm like, I need to rip this thing up because if I look at this for too long, I will find a way to buy the stupid thing. And it might not be a saddlebag, but it's something else. And it will catch my attention, and it's all about image. And I can suffer. Let's put all four of those areas up there. I want to say before you, I have seriously struggled in all of these areas. My guess is that you've struggled in some of these areas as well. And I still struggle with some of these areas. But the high probability is if I let these things happen, it will lead to me and my family being behind locked doors of debt, trapped. The enemy comes to steal and to kill and destroy. And he does it financially as well. Just a quick side note. There's some of you here saying, oh, I don't have any problems with any of those four things. Right? And I understand that. But maybe you err on the other side. Someone that has money, but that won't spend money. They pinch every penny. If you bump them, they squeak, right? What do we call that? We call that a miser, right? And let me just say, if that's you, you're, you're just saying, oh, I, I have a hard time spending. Go on vacation. Spend a little bit of money, enjoy life, because the goal is not to hold on to everything or to just go crazy. The goal is to have a balance. The goal is to close the door on debt and to open a door of financial freedom, to discover what it means to be saved, to be safe, to be satisfied financially. Amen? And so let's look at the key. How do we do that? And it's found in Proverbs chapter 21. Everyone turn there with me. Proverbs 21, verse 5. Look what it says. This is fantastic. You've got to get this into your heart this morning. The key here is this. It says here, The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. Let's look at that last part first. Haste leads to poverty. If you spend your money as fast as it comes in or you overextend your means and you're living on borrowed time or borrowed credit, you will, it will lead you to poverty. But the plans of the diligent, the plans, the plans lead to profit. I'm not going to talk about the B word this morning, budget. But I do want to look at God's word in regards to planned spending because God's word tells us to plan. Telling our money where to go instead of wondering where has it gone. Now, it sounds easy to some of us. 
You say, oh, that, that sounds easy. I, let me just say, no way. It is hard. But there's some principles in God's word when he talks about planned spending. And the first one I want to look at is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Listen to what it says here. I love this. It says in verse 9, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. I learned this weekend that new wine represents joy and uh, like, a, uh, like a, a celebration. When you honor the Lord first in your life, it'll lead to good things. How do we honor God? We tithe first. The Bible throughout Scripture talks about giving the 10%. Bring it to the storehouse. The storehouse in our context is the local church where you are fed spiritually. Now, we're all stewards of money, and we all have a choice. We can either do it God's way and do what God says to do, to bring a tithe, 10%. And when that happens, God promises something supernatural will happen in our lives. Supernatural, God's way. Or we can say, I'm going to do it my way, and I'm not going to tithe. But let me just say, if you do that, you will live financially on your own. So, you can do it on your own and be on your own, or you can choose God's way, what God's Word says, and something supernatural happens. I can't even explain it fully. But you can live off 90% better than you can live off 100%. And there's a young couple in our church that has just taken that leap of faith uh, for the first time in their marriage. And I'm going to ask them to come and to share their testimony of what God has done in their lives in the last uh, month or so. This is amazing. Listen to this. <laughs> so um, I was raised in a Christian family, and my mom always made sure that she gave her 10%, even though money was tight for us growing up. And Somehow, she just always made it work. And so that was really instilled in me at a young age. And um, when Joe and I got married, he was just kind of a new Christian. He wasn't raised in the same um, home like I was. And so giving 10% of tithe was a little scary for him and was hard to do because we didn't have that extra money on our, our tight budget. And so we were giving and giving, but it wasn't our 10%. And um, about a month ago, we ended up giving that full 10% um, and just not worrying about it. We just said, you know, we're going to set this aside. We're going to do it, and we'll make it work yeah. <laughs> however it's going to happen. And that day um, during the service, Pastor Ben came up to Joe and and handed him an envelope and said, you know, someone had given this to me and wanted to pass it along to you guys. And we went through the service and went home and Joe went outside for something. And I remembered we had this envelope, so I, I looked at it and opened it up. And there was a card inside that had some, some verses in it and some inspirational um, words for us. And there was this little envelope that 
said Jesus, and it had a, a little heart on it, and um, I opened it, and immediately I just started to cry, because if you know me, I'm, I'm not someone who accepts gifts very easily at all, and um, there was $2,000 in that envelope, and it just said, this is Jesus' money, and it's his gift to you, and all I can say is whoever was having that laid on their heart um, was the hands and feet of Jesus, yeah. and um, we knew that we needed that, and it was really hard for me to accept, and I just, I started crying immediately. I was crying earlier today. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was just really hard for both of us, but in the same way, it was such a blessing. Yes. You know, I don't think it was an accident, Joe and Becca, that on the first Sunday that you decided to give in that way, that God showed up big time. Probably ten times. I, I don't know, but probably, you know, you know, five to ten times what you gave back. And th the story, it's interesting, they uh, had some issues with their, uh, with schooling, with a payment, and it was about $2,000 worth of, of uh uh, school uh, trouble. <laughs> it's, it's a long story. But God, he is looking out for you guys. And I just want to uh, declare God's best over your lives. You are a man of God. You're a, you're, your home is intended for God to reign and rule. And I, you guys have got an incredible future ahead of you. Amen. And isn't that exciting? And I don't, I, yeah, amen. <laughs> Praise God. God. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. And Joe, you're awesome, man. One of these days, you'll say something, too. <laughs> I love it. And, uh, but I'm telling you, when you honor God, the supernatural begins. All right, the second place, and I know I need to hustle here, uh, Proverbs chapter 6. Turn over a page in your Bible, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Listen to what it says. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. Remember what wisdom provides? Back in my notes here, what did wisdom provide? It provides, I forget what it said exactly. <laughs> oh, I just messed, that, messed it up. Where'd it go? Wise people live in wealth and luxury, right? And so we want to be wise. It says, consider, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores up its provisions in the summer and gathers its food at harvest. Let me explain what this is talking about. This is talking about putting a little bit aside for the future. Saving some. And my parents, they taught me this, and it's blessed me. When God told me I was going to marry Jessica, and I, I knew that, I said, Lord, you're going to have to confirm this along the way. One of the things of confirmation that I needed to see is I wanted to marry a woman that saved as well. We were both savers before we got married, and it has blessed our lives. It has blessed our marriage. Isn't that the truth? I, I said first service to our daughter was sitting right here. I said, Reagan, we are blessed. Jessica, we are blessed. We are God, you are looking at a blessed pastor because we've learned to put some aside. We honor God first, and then we save some. What do we save for? Well, there's all kinds of things. 
Retirement's good, a rainy day fund, home improvements, vehicles, schooling. You fill in the blank. There's all kinds of things. And the fact is, is no one will ever be sorry for the money that they saved. Am I right? The same is true with us as a church. We will never be sorry for the money that we are putting aside now for our building fund. The Lord, when we came here six and a half years ago, he put on my heart, he said to give uh, 10% right off the top to missions. I said, Lord, how are we going to do that? He said, over five years. Some of you know this story, some of you don't. But we gave 2% the first year, 4% the next year, 6%, 8%, and then 10%. In each of those years, some of you served on the board with me, and it was difficult. And we said, how is this going to happen? But God honored it because we were honoring God and his heart for missions. We love missions, don't we? Well, after that five years, I said, God, and we were at budget season, the Lord put on my heart to give or to, to uh, do the 10% continue, but then to carve away another 5% for our building fund. This is a year and a half ago. And all last year, God honored it. We were able to put another 5% off. We were saving some for the future. This year, you know the story if you've been around, and uh, we said that this year, the church took a, another jump from 10% to give to missions. All these flags represent missionaries that we love, our missions board, our, our missions wall, and we pray for our missionaries. We love our missionaries. We support them the best we can, and God is blessing us, and uh, we've got some neat things coming up with missions that are going to be exciting, but the God said, uh, start to give 10% and then ask the church to start giving to, to match at least what the church is doing. And last week, we took up a, an initial seed time offering in that regard and i'm excited to see what comes in this month and in the next month uh at the first sunday in may we're going to give the month's total and i'm we're going to celebrate together god's goodness we will never be sorry for the money that we're putting away so we give some we save some you know it's just one other quick thought and i know our time is uh, uh going a little long today Ed Young, a pastor down south, he did the math. I did not verify this as if this is true. But he said, if you go to Starbucks and spend $5 a day, Starbucks, this is not for you, brother. Just close your ears, man. Every time I've seen you, you're, you got a Starbucks. <laughs> but brother, it might change after this. He says, $5 a day times 40 years. If you put that each day into an interest-bearing account with an average uh, interest of 10%, so that's $5 a day, $35 a week, $150 a month, what would that do over 40 years? According to his calculations, that would turn into $948,611. That's a lot of coffee. That's a lot of money. Who would like to have that kind of extra cash after 40 years? Woo! I do. And so we're putting some away. All right, we've got to keep on going. First Timothy chapter six. Last, well, may, probably, maybe not the last verse. I don't know. First Timothy chapter six, verse seventeen. This is Paul talking to Timothy, and he says this. He says, "Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything." Now, hold on, I wait, stop there for a second. It says, wait, 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 I can check out. It says, command those who are rich in this present world. Let me just say something. You are 
rich. Turn to your neighbor, every one of you, find someone, and say, you are rich. No, no, husbands and wives, look at your husband. Okay, don't look at anyone else. If you're a husband and wife here, look at them and say, you are rich. Say, we are rich. We are rich. According to the world standards, you put that as a backdrop. If you've got a couple changes of clothes, a couple meals, a roof over your head, you are rich. But listen what it says. So it says, command those who are rich in this world, in this present world. Everyone say, that's me. Command them not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth. Those are important, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, yes, who richly provides for us with everything. Why? For our enjoyment. I believe with all my heart that God, he wants us to to give some, to honor him first. We are to save some. But then we get to enjoy some, the fruit of, of our labor. We can enjoy our homes, our cars, our toys, when we can go on vacation to get away. God's word, planned spending, says give some, save some, enjoy some. Amen? And there's many of us here this morning that are hearing that saying, boy, I want to do that. But you're drowning in debt. You're behind the door of debt. The deadbolt has been set. You feel like you're boarded in with no room out. Now, is it easy? No way. Is it easy to work towards being debt-free? It's not easy, but it's worth it. And I want to say it's more than just knowledge. It's not just knowing what to do. It's the discipline to do it. And that's why we're providing Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Because all of us need a little encouraging. My wife and I are excited to go through Financial Peace University again. Rick Ebeling and I will be leading that. And I just want to encourage you this morning. We've been praying for you that God would speak to your heart to consider going through those nine weeks in May and June, those Wednesday nights, and to look at your life and look at your finances. I believe that it will be a blessing to you. We're going to come back to these in just a second. I believe that. But I want to give you a couple takeaways. We'll go through these really quick. And this is important. The first one is this. Take responsibility for your debt. Whether it's big or small, no more putting your head in the sand and just letting the world go by. Believe that there is a brighter future. Amen? If you're single this morning, get some accountability to help you. If you're married, this is a word of the Lord, do it together. Get control of your finances and take responsibility for your debt. The second thing is stop stupid spending. And I'm not looking at anybody in particular. Except myself. (laughs) Impulse spending, recreational spending, image spending, void spending. You know what? One of the best things that was encouraged me a few years ago, um, I don't don't know why I was thinking about Bethel so much this week. Back in Bethel, my uh, first church I served, there was a guy on the uh, elder board that was, his name was Norm Rupert. (coughs) 
He showed up to church one day, and we went out to lunch. He pulled up in a brand new Audi, and it was spectacular. It was awesome. And I get in, I slide in, I'm like, oh, Norm, this is nice. And you know what he said? He was debt-free, and that's why he was able to buy it. He had saved up. But listen what he said. As we talked about it, I said, man, you know, what, what in the world? Teach me, brother. I want to learn from you, right? I don't want to teach them from, I don't want to learn from someone that's broke. I want to learn from someone that's making it. And he says, you know what? I've lived most of my adult life with a two-week rule for big purchases. He says, once I really want something, once I've done the, all the research, I wait at least two weeks. I said, you, so you've been thinking about this for a while? He said, yeah. He said, I've been thinking about this for a couple months, did the research. And then he says, once I pulled the, pulled the trigger saying, yep, this is what I'm going to do. He said, I still waited and prayed for another two weeks before I had already been to the dealer and I, just, I walked away. Wait, what if that one was sold? It didn't matter. He waited two weeks. We tried to do the same thing in our home, and, uh, and it's, you know, it's tough. You know, you teach kids, uh, but with Logan and uh, Reagan, I, uh, Reagan does a pretty good job. She saves her money. She's, she's got more cash than I do all the time, and um, that's the truth. <laughs> but, uh, but Logan, we've had to say, and actually for Reagan too, we've said when you get paid, when you get your allowance, you have to wait one week before you buy anything. And it's hard. This morning he came in and he said, hey, Dad, can we talk about Eden? I'm like, what? You know that video game? You know, whatever? And, I said, and he said to me right after service, after first service, he says, you know, I, I've, I've had the money. I've had it for over a week. Can we talk about it after church? I'm like, oh, I gouged my eye out. All these video games he wants to buy. But, uh, and I'm like, but, but the, the fact is, uh, we need to teach our kids uh, that's, that's important. And that's my third point. We need to teach our kids. We need to involve our kids. We, we, t- we teach our kids. Um, didn't share the story, but uh, one of the things when it comes to image uh, that, that it was really on our hearts recently, and Jessica and I both struggled with this, is th- with our vacation, with spring break this year. Uh, all of our friends, all, it seemed like all of our kids' friends, I should say, all of, they're all going to Florida or North Carolina or San Diego. And Jessica in the office, they were talking about where they're going and all these things. And Jessica and I, were, she was telling me, she's like, yeah, I just kind of quiet, not telling, because we weren't going anywhere. We went to Jackson for a, uh, a night free at a hotel, or two nights free at Fahola Park. And some of you guys don't know what that is. It's a Michigan campground. It's it's Fahola, okay? <laughs> I mean, we're taking our kids there. Woo! And it's exciting. We want to, but it's camp, you know? It's not nothing luxury because we couldn't afford to go south this year. It wasn't in the budget. We hadn't planned for it. And uh, what was I saying? Uh, so we teach our kids. So you know what we say? We say to our kids, you know what? We're choosing not to do some of these things. We could have. We could have dove into our emergency fund or we could have, you know, um, you know, paid for it on credit or whatever. We could have done that, but we want to train our kids along the way. And I just want to say there are young people here that need to hear this message today to live in a God-honoring way. See, I don't think any of us are big enough or smart enough or have enough money to do finances on our own, our own way. If we choose our way, we're going to get our own results. But if we choose God's way, something supernatural hits.
the bottom line, and I'm wrapping up, is that debt is a sin we cannot afford to pay. Money is a spiritual issue. It's a matter of the heart. I saw this uh, acrostic, I think they call them. Debt means don't ever believe that. I thought, oh, that's good. I like that. I thought it was going to say don't ever buy that, but, <laughs> but, it, it, but no, don't ever believe that because I believe as children of the Most High God, we can close the door on debt and open the door of financial freedom in our lives.